0: Get ready to PokerCast! Welcome back. Hope your holidays were well. Go another solo episode. This is Chase. Drew is uh, working like 60 hours a week during LAPC, so we'll try to catch up with him next episode. Uh, What do we got today? We got, uh, let me give you a rundown. So we're going to have a little strategy segment on how to handle three betters. Uh, we're going to do a little year in review for 2017, at least for myself personally, um, about the goals that I had, whether I achieved them, and then kind of a, a little talk about goal setting and uh, and how we should do that and maybe do it more effectively. And then to finish it off, I'm going to have a little discussion on my faith in Jesus. You're welcome to stick around for that or tune out. Uh, but yeah, I would welcome you and encourage you to uh, stick around if you, if you would like uh, oh, also, before we get started, I want to give a little shout out to Robert, aka Poker Monk. So he wrote in an email, which I didn't see. And uh, we probably should have gotten it to it last episode. And it would have been better because the bulk of his email was, I think, is going to be best handled by Drew because it's more like poker industry stuff. But Robert did say that he was enjoying the podcast on his commute. And uh, lots of words of encouragement, so really appreciate that, Robert. So let's hop right into some strat discussion. Coffee break. So I was in, uh, I'm in a little poker chat group where we do some study, kind of bring up tough spots and just talk about it with some, you know, some local guys, some guys I know from other places in the country, et cetera. But one thing that one of the guys in chat brought up was he had this reg in his game that was just a very, very active three better. And like excessively, by his description, was three betting just like almost every almost playing a no flatting game is how he described it. Like it was either three better or fold when there was a race in front. Which I mean is not optimal. There should be hands that you should flat. I mean, not having a flatting range. It's like kind of fun to think about playing like that, but probably should be flatting. But just to give you some context, like this player was three bet heavy, so it brought up some good discussion in the group chat of like how to handle a uh, someone who's three betting a lot. So I thought it might be beneficial for you guys in the things that we can consider and think about and the practical adjustments that we can make in game. So things that we wanna think about is we definitely definitely need to identify first. So you need to identify what their range is. So if they're a tight range player, you need to know that. If they're a loose, uh, loose range player, you need to know that. You need to be paying attention. Get off your darn phone, talk to people, watch showdown. Don't be a bad reg in that regard. So we, we need to be paying attention if they're tight range or wide range. We also need to see how they respond to four bets. Um, you know, a lot four bets don't go in very often. So I think <laughs> this might be slightly reckless, but just go ahead and start forbidding and see what happens. You know, like you might ratchet up the variance a little bit. It might, you might find out that that was not an effective counter adjustment, but it's okay. Like uh, You got to find out somehow. So something very infrequent like four betting, you can't just sit there and watch them play for 10 hours and they might get four bet like three times, you know? So so go ahead and start putting in some four bets and seeing how they react, Um, especially against a a wider range. Well, let's go ahead and talk about tight range. So how do you adjust someone who's three betting tight? I, I know that's not like related to the original uh pose question but let's go ahead and talk about it because i think the more common thing you're going to run into and in, especially in a live cash game setting is tight three betters like i don't know live poker is just like a time machine people do not three bet, man they just haven't figured it out so you're going to run into a lot of very tight very value heavy ranges and what do we do well uh okay, this is, we could talk some about GTO versus exploitive, but the way you exploit someone that's playing overly tight and overly value heavy is you just fold. I know it doesn't sound appealing. It doesn't sound fun, but that is honestly the way that you print money against someone who's playing too tight. You just fold. Now, guilty of this, I hate folding. So I I can understand how annoying it is to just have to exploit them by folding, but that really is in many circumstances, our best adjustment is just to overfold against someone who's overly tight. Uh, there is the, you know, like you'll run into the rare nit who's like, especially if you're playing high stakes or maybe maybe you, they did like double up a couple times and all of a sudden they're playing really deep stacked and they don't really know how to navigate a deep stack. They're used to playing there like 80, 100 big blinds. So sometimes you can get in these spots with these, Kind of nitty players that are kind of value heavy, and they'll three bet a hand like ace queen or ace jack, and they just won't know what to do against a four bet or even like pocket queens. I I see it a lot where some bad regs kind of just three bet a hand like pocket queens. I mean, I think this is more common to like two five, but they like if they face a four bet, they are terrified, and, and it kind of makes sense because four bets are are so often just like. Aces always. Um, so do consider when you get deep stacked and can kind of put these, what I would categorize as bad nitty regs or recreational players. If you can put them out of their comfort zone, deep stack, that is something to consider. But I think overall the adjustment is you should just fold a lot versus tight three betters. Now let's get to the fun one. This is the one where you clap your hands together and go, oh boy. Because against the loose players, you really do have a lot of options. So that's not to say, though, that all options are created equally. In the case of my friend who's got this good reg that plays good post-flop, that's 3-betting very actively. Well, I mean, flatting. we should definitely have a flatting range against their 3-bets. But against a good player that plays well post-flop, just blowing them off their equity is a pretty good result. So I think you should, one, widen your 4-bet value range. So a hand like ace-queen, pocket 10, something like that, especially in the loose range spots where it's like you open, cut off, they 3-bet button, you might want to consider widening your value range slightly. Um, But another thing you need to pay attention to is how are they responding to 4-bets? Because if we see someone that, when they're facing a 4-bet, they all of a sudden get very honest and they start folding some of their weaker 3-bets. Well, that's like a green light. Just go ahead and start 4-betting them. And you can use a pretty polar range, which is mostly just like your really, really value hands, like queens plus, ace-king, maybe ace-queen if they're getting out of line. And you can use some, some bluffs. And typically, if someone tends to be more or less like folding or going with it, you can use some more blocker hands. Um, but yeah, you can be more polarized against someone who tends to fold against 4-bets. Um, now against someone who does not fold against 4-bets, this is where most people are out of their element, and which is why having a wide 3-betting range can be very effective, because a lot of people don't adjust well they their 4-betting ranges. So against someone who three bets and doesn't fold very often to four bets, uh, the adjustment we need to make is we need to be four betting a little bit more of a linear range instead of a polarized range. So, what do I mean by linear range? I mean you need to have your you're of course going to have your value hands, you're going to have your big pairs, etc. But if they're going to be peeling a lot of your four bets, you need to be able to a decent chunk of the time have board coverage on all boards. So that means sometimes you're going to need to four bet seven, six suited. Sometimes you're going to need to four bet ten nine suited. You're going to need to use some of your suited connectors all the way down to probably seven, six suited. I mean, you could maybe do like six, five suited. Sometimes it's like, you're going to have some suited wheel cards where you don't really need to cover the wheel boards quite as much because suited ace wheel works pretty well but all uh, my point is if someone is calling uh, calling four bets a lot and you can really u- apply this to three bets a lot. If someone's calling your three bets a lot, then you need to be a little bit more on the linear side, especially if they play well post flop. Um, so yeah and that's gonna give you some board coverage. it's going to give you some options post flop, you're not going to get blown off your equity when the flop comes every time, at least not every time the flop comes like 10, seven, six to suit. You need to be able to, I mean, of course that's going to favor their wrench more than yours, but if you just never have eight, nine suited seven, six suited, something, you know, like if you never have those small suited connectors, really, if they're a good player, they're just going to bomb away and they should. So that's something I think, I think those gives us some good indicators um so to review the biggest things are are they tight and value heavy or are they loose and have more bluffs in their range and then from there you need to identify how do they react to a four bet now with a tight player it might not it might not really matter unless you're deep stack you might just have to fold because they're value heavy but with a looser three bet range how are they responding to four bets And again, this might be dictated by stack size, but you might have to find out by putting in a few four bets, you might have to, uh, you know, maybe it happens and you get to see a showdown, but identify what they do to a four bet. Do they call it? Do they fold to it? And from there we can decide how we're going to construct our range, whether we're going to be polarized and value heavy, uh, by polarized, I mean value either top end or low end. That's what polarized is. Or are we going to go more linear and fill in the gap with some suited connectors and stuff so that we can have some board coverage when we do get called? Um, so yeah, I think that's some good things to think about. Um, Oh, come to think of it. We did talk a little bit about how to combat her C strategy, uh, the reg, but you know what, that I think that's plenty on that topic. We can maybe talk about how to co- combat combat sea batting strip. Oh my gosh. Coffee break, boys. It's happening. Oh, praise God for coffee. How to combat sea batting strip. Sea betting strategies. Man, that is a mouthful. Alright, I think that should do it for the strat section. Uh Let's do, let's talk about 2017 goals. Uh, So I got to say, I've never been much of a goal setter. Shout out to uh, lazy poker players in chat. I know you guys are out there. Stand strong with me, bros. But man, goal setting is hard, you know, like I just want to be a Jedi and let the force tell me where to go, you know, like, but when I set a goal for 2017, I was just like, "Pick it out of thin air." Okay, I'm going to try to make 250k in a cash game this in cash games this year, which is like effing awesome, you know. Like I had a legit shot at that. I was, you know, for the first six months of the year, I was above, I was ahead of pace for that. Um, so I don't think my goal was unreasonable. I just think I set a goal without really setting like objectives to obtaining the goal. So what happened was like six months into the year post world series, the world series, I didn't play much cash. I was behind on my goal. And what I ended up having to do was just like reassess my goal, which is good. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I wasn't just chasing my goal, trying to almost like chasing lost money. But I think what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to, I'm going to set some goals and, I'm gonna set some achievable goals and some goals that kind of lead to other goals. So let's go ahead and get into my 2018 goals. So first one is 1200 hours of cash game play. Last year, I think I was like a bit over nine, somewhere between 900 and 1000. So I'm, I'm planning on playing less tournaments this year. That'll help that and really i just want to be consistent with how many hours i'm putting in per week so 1200 hours of cash game this year i want to do 5 hours a week of study um, last year i like it wasn't a gold mine but i was trying to do 10 hours a week i was just finding like i almost never got 10 hours a week like i don't know 10 hours of studying like i'm talking sitting at your computer crunching run numbers running ranges who can do that for 10 hours? I, I really couldn't. So I want to set a reasonable goal five hours a week. And if I need to, if I find that that's too low of a bar, then I'll set it higher. You know. Um, my third goal, physical health. Praise God, I'm two weeks into quitting smoking. Can't say I've been doing perfect at it. I'm using uh, nicotine patches and been a couple days that I've cheated, but uh, I'm feeling great about that. Uh, I've been wanting to quit smoking. I told my wife when we would get married that I quit smoking. <laughs> yeah, that's been an unfulfilled promise of our marriage, but, uh, my wife is very gracious and now I am, I'm putting it out there guys, hold me accountable I and quitting smoking for good. Um, another thing with health is I want to be more aware of what I'm eating while I'm playing a session So this means not getting like a huge heaping thing of ginger, which is the Asian restaurant, like when I'm playing uh, a session or, you know, like maybe I will occasionally or I'll try to get something small, but I just wanna make sure that I'm I'm like taking care of my body and really giving, priming myself to play well. So not eating a a big heavy meal mid session, not like chowing down two slices of pizza, So, yeah, just taking care of my body in that way while I'm playing. And then lastly, exercise. Uh, we finally we got an elliptical in the house. Let me tell you, that baby's been holding down the rug pretty well. <laughs> oh. now I had these. My wife actually wanted to get it. Bless her heart. She hasn't used it either, I don't think. But I've used it probably, maybe. Like the first week, I used it a couple times. I think the first two weeks I used it twice a week. And then, like, uh man, I haven't used it for, like, the last week and a half. So I really want to get in the habit of uh, I'm going to set myself a goal of twice a week um, and see how that goes. Um, but uh, I, I would ideally like to do it every day before at work. Uh, I definitely notice the difference in, in my focus levels throughout the day. So I don't know. That's when I'm still, like, I'm setting this goal but I need to again I need to figure out like how to effectively reach my goal. So all of that with all of that in mind, I want to make 200k this year in live cash games. Uh different than last year though because I have all these goals like 1200 hours, 5 hours of study a week, uh physical, taking care of physical stuff and I think all of those like smaller goals, more achievable goals Goals that are more in my control are really going to lead into this. I want to make 200K this year. Uh, last year, I just threw out this 250K challenge and like, I really had no system in place. I had no smaller goals, smaller, like achievable in my control goals. So yeah, that's, those are my goals this year. We'll see. Um, I'm going to try to reevaluate every like three months and see how I'm doing on my goals. But I don't know, bros it's hard, man. Email me and tell me what your guys' goals are. Cause I don't know. I would, I would love if you guys had some great ideas for like very achievable stuff that produces results for you and Boker. Let me know guys. Let me know. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think that'll wrap it up for goals. Let's go ahead and get into the discussion on faith. Um, As you know, we're very open about our faith on this podcast. We love Jesus. So I'm going to talk about it. If that's not your thing, you want to tune out, uh, you know, God bless. We'll see you next time. I hope you found it helpful, all the stuff up to this point. If you want to stick around, that'd be awesome. And uh, I would welcome that from believers, unbelievers, people that hate God, whatever, dude, been there, right? Like me too sometimes, you know? So I'm just going to get into it and uh, you guys are welcome to join along. Uh, let me say a short prayer for first, Lord God, I pray that God, you would, uh, you'd speak through me, speak to your people. Uh, I hope God that this would be a time that you can be honored that, that Lord, we can, uh, we can just worship you and how we understand you, Lord, that we can leverage our knowledge for your kingdom, uh, that Jesus, your grace would, uh, we just capture the hearts of, uh, of your people and, uh, Lord of, of the people that you have coming to you. Uh, So, Lord, as we as we look at goals and setting goals, um, may God, we just invite you into it. In your good name, Jesus. Amen. So I purposely picked out uh, some scripture that might apply to some goal making and and looking forward to the next year. It's going to be Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses 11 through 12. I'm going to read it and then we'll kind of break down and talk about it. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, let's kind of unpack this and get some context here. Um, So this is a letter from Paul written to the Thessalonians which is a church in Thessalonica. You're welcome. You are now armed for Bible trivia. Uh, I think let's pray and be done. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So yeah, it's a a letter written to believers. So when we see in the beginning, it reads that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that we know that he's, Talking to fellow believers, because when I first read that, I think. Wow, I have to uh, I have to make myself worthy before God calls me. I have to I have to clean myself up before God loves me. I have to I have to do the work so that God doesn't need to work on me. And I think that's a very easy, easy thing to get caught up on. But what Paul is really saying and what God is really saying through Paul is that. You don't have to clean yourself up. God is going to call you and then he will make you worthy. God is going to love you and then make you lovable. And that's how God works. He calls us out of our unworthiness. He makes us worthy. He doesn't, God doesn't call the worthy. God makes worthy the called. So the passage goes on and says, and may fulfill every result every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Uh, So we notice the words of faith and by his power. Uh, So it's not that our resolve gives us faith or our resolutions make us faithful, but God in his power and in our God's power combined with our faith gives us resolve to accomplish these good works. Uh, it is not of ourself. And uh, I mean, that's where I got hung up so much, especially with with like trying to quit smoking. When, when I try to do this by myself, that's why I haven't quit for five years. I've been married now is because I always try to do it on my own strength. And I don't submit to God that I need some help with this, that I can't do it on my own. So God's power in our faith should produce the good works, our resolutions, things that we ought to do. But we do still need to respond. It still says that we are active in this, that we are, we have to have resolve in this. We have to work in this. Um, so we can't just say that, God, this is up to you and wash our hands of it. We still have to be active in it. These two verses finish. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so we see our good works, our resolve, it is ultimately for God's glory. But the amazing part of the gospel is when it says, and you in him, that I would be glorified in Christ. Like, how, how, Lord? How am I glorified in you? But I'm broken. I'm. I'm a sinner. I'm like we talked about earlier. I'm unworthy, but God counts me as worthy. He sees me as worthy. It finishes is according to the grace of God through Jesus. I am worthy. Can I get an amen brothers? Yeah, we'll end it on an amen right there. Uh, a couple things. If you guys want to write in top two, Pokercast at gmail.com uh that's about it we're gonna get to Robert's email next episode if I can get Drew on the line but I appreciate you guys tuning in we'll see you later.